James chapter 1 and verse, start reading in verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath finished, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. What I want to preach about tonight is sin's endgame. Sin's endgame. Whenever we uh, read the book of James and throughout the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, we can see examples of this very thing playing out that we see in James where you have sin offered to someone, you have someone drawn away by their own personal lust and enticed, tricked, deceived. And as a result, we see that it brings destruction. It brings pain. And this starts off right away in the Bible in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1 where we see the first sin take place. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Basically what Satan did here when he went to the woman, God says you can't eat one tree, and Satan basically comes and says, God won't let you eat anything. You're not allowed to eat any of the trees. Isn't that what people do when we talk about rules? They start exaggerating it. Wow, you know, what in the world? You're not, you guys aren't allowed to do anything. Well, Actually, we're allowed to do a lot of things, but yeah, that one particular thing we're not allowed to do. Satan, he's, such a, he's, a, he's a liar, he's an exaggerator, and he's doing this to deceive. And so, you know, Eve makes a mistake here because she acts like a Baptist, like, well, you know, we're not allowed to do some things, but then she kind of adds to God's command and, you know, and says, she's not Eve, neither shall you touch it, you know, and we don't see that. But at the same time, uh, you know, if you're not allowed to eat it, you can't eat it if you never touch it. So, you know, maybe that was a rule Adam gave her. So, I don't know, it might not have been bad. But either way, it didn't work. But the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know, and the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave unto her husband and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. So notice that this uh, tree, this food, it, there was a lust of the eyes. It looked good. Her flesh desired it. She had that uh, desire. It was a tree to be desired to make one wise. And understand these things were all lies that the devil was telling her. But understand there was something that was drawing her to this forbidden fruit. And for whatever reason, she rejected the word of God and she went with what her flesh desired and was enticed. She was deceived. This was not necessarily willful sin in the sense that she's like just an outright rebellion, you could say, because we see that God credited Adam because Adam willingly went against what God said, where the Bible said the woman was deceived. And that's why, ladies, you all get to submit to your husbands. And so that, you know, blame Eve for that. But she, well, either way, she was enticed, she was responsible, and she suffered. 
Uh, she eventually died. She had pain in childbearing. She had to see a son murdered. I mean, one, I mean, who knows what all tragedies Eve dealt with in her lifetime. And all of it was because of sin. So we see the Bible kicks things off with sin, deceiving somebody. We see in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20, it says, Notwithstanding, I have few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. Now, how do you teach someone to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed to idols? Well, notice she didn't just teach it, she seduced them. You know what she did? She deceived them. Now, let me tell you something. One of the easiest things to use to deceive somebody is the lust of their flesh. Okay? The lust of the flesh. Because our body wants something so bad, it makes it very easy to deceive our minds into thinking that it's okay. And that's why when it comes to a lot of things being advertised today, things that are sinful. Isn't it interesting that things that are sinful, typically they use uh, some of the, mo the lust of the flesh to promote those things. When it comes to things like gambling, what does it usually see on casino billboards? Immodestly dressed women. You know, isn't that interesting? What in beer commercials? What do they commonly do? Immodestly dressed women. Isn't it interesting how they always use those things? They use these lusts of the flesh to get people to do that which is forbidden. And you know, and I get it. Today they're using stuff like that on a lot of different things, but it's mainly the sinful things where that stuff is prominent. Why? Because they know they're trying to get you to do something that is forbidden, something that is sinful. And so if they're going to deceive you into doing it, they're going to show you something that they know your flesh likes. That's what they're going to dangle in front of you. Why? Because they're trying to deceive you. And I guarantee you this fruit that was on that tree, it looked good. And here you've got a people in Revelation that, you know, for whatever reason, they wanted that meat that was sacrificed to idols, even though it was forbidden. They wanted, you know, the, the fornication and all that. And it made it easy for somebody to come along and to teach them that it was okay. But it, this was more than just teaching. It was seducing because of the fact that people had to be deceived into doing something that is clearly wrong. I mean, imagine teaching someone to commit fornication in church. But that's what was going on. And that's what happens when we have women preachers too. All right? And that's, that was probably part of the problem. That's just a side note right there. But it, I think it's interesting how in Genesis and Revelation, we see sin, all right, people being deceived by sin through the lust of the flesh. And frankly, it's just throughout the whole Bible. I mean, all over the Bible, we see it. And so and, and, and in Genesis, part of the sin was eating something. And in Revelation, part of the sin was eating something. You know, what, what is it about that? Well, just understand eating is a very powerful desire, isn't it? Now, thankfully, most of the time it's not sinful. But isn't it interesting that when it comes to, you know, that which is sinful, you know, if it is sinful to eat something, it's easy to get people to do it because we like eating so much. It's just part of our fallen nature. And so we live in a, so now in our warped, sinful minds we have today, it's easy to look at all these things and act like 
we don't have a problem when it comes to sin because literally everyone on the planet struggles with these things. In fact, sometimes people will even act like victims and almost act like God messed up somewhere and should have made us where we would never be able to sin. I remember uh, when I was younger, I was, I was working at a, a youth camp. I was only 19 years old and I had a, a young man in my cabin who, um, you know, was very troubled and had all kinds of issues. And, you know, and we're trying to explain to him why fornication is bad. And, and I remember at the time, I just didn't really have an answer for it because we're telling him it's bad. And I'm showing, well, this is where the Bible says it's bad. And then, you know, and I, at the time I didn't know how to answer, but he's just like, if these things are so bad, he's like, why do we have all these hormones? Why do we have all these desires and, and things like that? If it's so bad, you know, why would God make us in a way where we want these things so bad, you know, when it's sinful? And I, I remember at the time, I didn't really know how to answer something like that. But, you know, now I understand a little more. And that is, it's just, we are fallen people. And we are naturally prone to desiring that which is forbidden. There's just something about us that if something is just forbidden, it makes us want it even more. Now, understand, if God forbids us to have something, there's a reason. Okay? And there's a very good reason. But we don't always know what that is, and that's why we have to trust God. Just like you tell your kids, you know, don't go in that room. That's the room they want to go into. And, you know, there's a lot. And, and, I mean, if we do, you put a sign up on something. Do not touch. We, you know, we, we, we wouldn't have even thought about it had it not been for the sign. It's a part, it's a part of our rebellious nature. And so we do. It, it's a part of our sinful nature to just want to go after that which is forbidden. And we, and we, you know, and understand too, when it comes to the physical desires, when it comes to eating, you know, when, you, when it comes to that, you know, attraction to the opposite sex, that those things aren't all bad, but they all have to remain within certain boundaries. Otherwise, we can really destroy a lot of stuff. And that's where it really comes down to just trusting in God. But we need to understand that God didn't mess up, man messed up. Okay? And, we, we've got this entitlement mentality today, like God owes us a chance. God owes us love. But the truth is, that just shows we don't understand the love of God. When we start complaining about things that are sin, and, and I get it. There's commands in the Bible that when I read, I don't particularly get excited about. You know, we all get excited when we read the ones about women being silent in the church and, you know, not suffering that woman Jezebel. You know, us men, we're all, hey man, you know, that, that feels pretty good. When it's like the, it's not us having to tell our wife to be quiet, it's God telling them to be quiet, and, and you know that that feels pretty good. But you know when it's kind of stuff directed at us, you know all of a sudden it's like, uh, you know, we don't really don't really care about that. You know, let, let's focus on these other things and go after the feminists and stuff, right? But uh, you know what everybody needs to understand, something we've all got to be able to get a hold of is, so mankind did fall six thousand years ago. All the horrible things that happen on this earth are because of that fall. All that you do wrong, it's because you were fallen. So these sins in your life that you're fighting, the wicked desires that you have that sometimes you might even feel like you can't control or you can't make them go away, just understand those are evidence of your fallen nature that you still have even if you're saved. And you know, I wish I could pray a prayer over you and make it go away. I wish I could perform some kind of exorcism, you know, and just you not want to do bad things anymore. 
I, I wish we could do that, but it's not the way it is. How many ever saw the video of that kid who, he was like 10 years old, took his grandma suburban or something, and uh, ran into a bunch of cars and stuff, and they're asking him why he didn't. He said, you know, it's fun to do bad things. <laughs> and, you know, we all look at that, and we, you know, some, some of you think, you know, but it is, all right? It, it is fun to do bad things sometimes. You know, we saw the house of the fag flag yesterday, and I was like, it shouldn't be a sin to egg that house. You know, but, you know, we don't do that. And, but it would be fun. And, but it is. It's, 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 it's these forbidden things, and it's a part of our sinful nature. And this is where repentance comes in. Because we're always thinking about repentance as, I'm changing my life, I'm quitting this sin, I'm starting to do this good thing. But it is truly a change of mind. It's a change, it's a change of heart on things. And I think the best verse to explain it is in John chapter 3. After John 3.16, when we get to verse 19, it says, And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Okay, Why would someone like darkness rather than light? Because they love their deeds. They love their works. They love the things that they do that are evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. And understand, when you are confronted with sin in your life, not just when someone tells you that you are a sinner, not just when you acknowledge and you just concede the fact for whatever reason that, fine, I'm a sinner. And I've talked to many people like this out, Solony. Okay, fine, I'm a sinner. But we're all sinners, right? No big deal. Isn't that, you know, listen, when you're confronted with the truth about your sin, not only the fact that you are a sinner, but because you are a sinner, you deserve to go to hell. That's what people struggle with. And listen, when you truly believe that my sin is going to send me to hell, how can you really enjoy that sin if you actually believe that? How can you just go on with it like nothing? Obviously, when you recognize that, you know, it's going to do something in your mind and it's either going to cause you to look away from Christ so you're not reminded and you can kind of keep doing what you're doing or it's going to cause you to look to Christ and he's going to shine that light in your sin and you're not going to enjoy it like you used to. It's not going to bring you the same pleasure that it did at one time and, that, and that's what's going to happen when you come to Christ. He's going to shine that light on your sins. And so when you're confronted with the sin of your life, when you realize what had to be done to get you saved, you know, does this, does that, when you think about how Jesus had to come to this earth and pay and die that horrible death, does it cause you to hate the sin in your life? Or are you still just blaming God for your bad desires? You know, because if you truly recognize what you are, it should cause you to be amazed that God would love you. If you're, if you're truly looking at Christ and he's shining a light in your sin, you shouldn't have the, you shouldn't have the attitude, if you're, if you're really looking at Christ, oh Lord, you owe me this love and why'd you make me this way? That's not how we're going to be. We're going to be like ashamed to look and thinking, how could you love me? How could you die for me? That's what it's going to do if a person is truly looking at Christ and something's very wrong when we start acting like God did something wrong. It's like our way of taking the blame off of ourselves. Kind of like Eve did 
or Adam did when God confronted him and he said, it was the woman. That's why I sinned, the woman that you gave, that you gave me. So not only did he blame his wife, he blamed God at the same time. The woman you gave me, you did this, God. And then he goes to the woman, the serpent, blaming somebody else. That's that human nature. And I'm telling you, that's what a lot of people do when they're confronted with the sin in their life. It's like they're blaming God. Well, you're the one that made me this way. That's not the case. And so when we, when we really do see ourselves as a sinner worthy of hell, we're not going to blame God. We're just going to thank him for his mercy. And so when a person recognizes their sin and they believe the gospel, then they can call on the Lord for salvation and they will immediately receive that salvation without the works of the law, without you know, some form of reformation first. They can immediately receive that, again, if they truly are believing on Christ, if they truly are looking to him. That, that's the difference. And so here's what we never can forget, though, is even after we receive that free gift of salvation, we must always remember our flesh, our fallen nature, it's still bent on destruction. Now, what does that mean to be bent on something. Now we see in Hosea chapter 11 and verse 7 says, And my people, talking about Israel, are bent to backsliding from me. Though they called them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. I think a good way to explain what it means to be bent on something is it's like a bent arrow. If you have an arrow that's bent, that arrow is going to fly in the direction that it's bent. And since we are bent on backsliding, our natural course that we're going to take, if we are just naturally going through life without putting in any effort, without looking to God for guidance and for help every day, without repentance on a regular basis, we are going to veer off in the wrong direction because we are a bent, broken people. We, are, we do not fly straight like we should. We are bent on backsliding. That's just who we are. And so when, whenever there's repentance too, you know, it's often referred to as a 180 or a change in direction. We've got to understand that repentance needs to be a regular part of our life. And again, not repentance for salvation, but re just repentance to God. Just a reminder that, hey, I need to stay close to God. I need a close relationship with Him. I'm bent on backsliding. And if I'm just doing my own thing, and if I'm just going along my merry way, Without a regular focus on God and a regular renewal of the mind, I'm going to get out, I'm going to get out of line. And we are bent on that. And so Ephesians 2, 1, because, because our flesh is bent, our flesh is bent on sin and destruction. Still, even if you're saved, your flesh is bent on destruction and sin. And Ephesians 2, 1 it says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. So what is the course of the world? What is the way of the world? Disobedience. Disobedience against God's law. It says in verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past. So what does that look like exactly? That course of the world. What does that disobedience look like? Well, it's a time, it's a walk in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath, 
even as others. You, nobody, you know what nobody just naturally does as fallen man is just is good. We don't, we don't just naturally uh, do the things of righteousness. We are naturally bent on destruction. If that was the case, somewhere in this world, we would have some civilization that was just this wonderful, peaceful, beautiful place where there was no sin. But why is it that every culture has all the same problems? Why is it that every culture, uh, they have many laws that li- even line up with the Ten Commandments? You know, I mean, shouldn't there be at least one culture on this earth that doesn't have problems with murder? But every culture does, don't they? Every culture has problems with adultery. Every culture has problems with stealing, coveting, bearing false witness. How is it that we all have these things in common? I'll tell you why. Because we all, are, we all come from Adam and we're all bent that direction. We're, and so we all do those same things in one form or another throughout time. I mean, you would think today with all the enlightenment that we have, with all the knowledge that we have of certain things, we would have figured out that sin is destructive and that sin is bad, yet we're not getting any better, are we? In fact, it's getting a whole lot worse. You know why? Because we've just figured out better ways to make excuses for all these things. There's just nothing good in our flesh. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 7, 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing, for the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. The Apostle Paul He's tired of having sin in his life and he understands what it is. It's his flesh. And so he's, he's wishing there was something in his flesh that he could fix and take care of so he would just naturally do the right thing. But you know what? It wasn't there. And I like how in parentheses it says, in me, that is in my flesh. Because we also do have something in us, in, in the spiritual man, on the inside, in our soul, we have Jesus Christ. But in the flesh... If we're just talking strictly about the flesh, nothing good, folks. Absolutely nothing good. And so it's hard to figure out how to do good, or at least a way to make it easy. It's, in fact, I don't think there is a way to do that. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed. Now, think about it. Again, not one culture throughout time, even the Jews, with all that God did for them, even they, God said, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. Not not in that flesh and blood. God told Nicodemus, I mean, he's a ruler. He's one of the top Jews. And you know what Jesus told him? You must be born again. You know what? Because his flesh was sorry and rotten too. So it's, it's all of us. So, so, and what we need to understand, too, is saved people, still we still die physically, don't we? Even though we're saved and have eternal life. And you want to know why we still die in our flesh? Because our flesh is still sinful. One of these days, our body is going to give out. You know why? Because you've sinned. You are, event, you are eventually going to die. And you know what? You know what they're not going to put on your deficit? They'll probably put COVID or something like that. They won't put sin. And that should be on everyone's death certificate. Ultimately, that's why you died. And, and you know, I almost wish they'd do that just for a testimony. That, I mean, that would be a good testimony. That would be biblical. Primary reason for death, sin. And then secondary reason, you know, ran over by a car or something. But that was secondary. Primary reason, sin. That, that's what made the difference. 
And so we've got to understand that, you know, as Christians, we can't be sitting around acting like victims because our flesh isn't getting everything at once. And that's what we've got in like our refund, you know, the recovering fundy crowd and all these trendies that are out there today. They literally, they, you know, they sat in church and all they ever heard was rules. They never understood Christ. They never understood the gospel the way they were supposed to. And so well, all they got out of it was rules and they never got the Holy Spirit. They never got salvation. And so they sit in that they sit in these churches unfulfilled spiritually and physically. All these things, and they denied themselves all these things of the flesh. And folks, denying all the sins of the flesh is not going to fulfill you spiritually. You're not going to have spiritual fulfillment because you never did any of the things you're not supposed to do as good Baptists. So they're just unfulfilled across the board. And so now what they end up doing, they end up just going towards all these things of the flesh, thinking that's going to give them some kind of fulfillment, not even realizing they are just giving in to the deception. And that's what sin is. And and listen, they were not victims for not getting to do all those things of the flesh. They are victims in the fact that they never understood the true gospel. And I think a lot of it was because of bad preaching in a lot of these churches, but sometimes just because they were rebels. You know, that's definitely a lot of it. But what we've got to understand is Satan uses our personal lust to tempt us. You know, and I saw somebody said this, uh, I, I just saw this today on social media, where people talk about how in the recovering fundamentalists, they say the IFB is a cult because we all look alike, our music's alike, our church services are alike. And then he was just like, well, in that case, you know, the recovering fundamentalist crowd's a cult because they look alike, all their things, everything, everything's alike. And isn't it interesting how, how that works? And it could have something to do with the fact that, you know, why is it that their churches are looking more like nightclubs? Why is it that they dress exactly like the world does? You know why? Because the same thing driving the world is now driving them in their churches. And it is the lust of the flesh. And understand, that is what Satan uses to tempt us. He uses the lust of our flesh. And it says in James 1.14, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And understand, we all have our areas where we are more prone to sin. And many of those things are probably unique. You know, and I don't want to get, you know, specific into a lot of different sins, but, you know, just to illustrate it, you know, if you're going to tempt me to break my diet, you're not going to put a cheeseburger in front of me because that won't do anything for me. Now, if you bring like a nothing bunt cake or something like that and, you know, put that in front of me, there's like, <laughs> yeah. You know, that, 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 that's probably going to say, you know what, I, I need a day off anyway, right? You know, so that, that's, that's what you're going to use for me. But for somebody else, that's not going to do anything. And understand, Satan, he's been doing this for a long time. He can figure out where we struggle real easy. He'll figure those things out, and you better believe he's going to dangle those things in front of you. And... He, and he, he's good at it. And so he says, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So understand, every time you go after that thing that your, your flesh desires, understand it doesn't give you what you wanted. You, it just tricks you. It deceives you. It, 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 it traps you just like that cheese on a mousetrap. It, it's meant to deceive them. It's something that they want. It's something they desire. They lust after. 
But ultimately, it's meant to destroy. And listen, you can't let Satan fool you with those things of the flesh. That's why the Bible says the just shall live by faith. We've got to learn to just trust God and say, you know what? This is forbidden. I don't totally get it. But because it's forbidden, I'm going to keep it out of my life. And your flesh is always going to desire those things. But you've got to learn to just say no to those things. That's why we crucify this flesh. That's why we put off the old man. That's why we, we're, con- and we're constantly commanded to do these things. And I wish, I wish young people, I wish the, these youth conferences and things they're having, they would teach us to these teenagers and stop making them think if they'll just go get saved again, they won't desire these things anymore. That's one of the biggest things they're doing to just kill victory for teenagers today. Making them think if they just get saved, they won't want to do that stuff anymore. I don't know who started teaching that stuff, but let me tell you, they've messed a lot of people up. They've taken victory away from a lot of people. They've confused so many people. That is not in the Bible. That is not in the Bible. I don't care that they repented of those sins after they got saved. They repented of those sins because they learned from experience that it's deceptive. These kids have not learned that from experience yet. And God doesn't want us to learn that way. God doesn't want you to learn that you shouldn't stand in front of a semi-truck by standing in front of a semi-truck and getting hit. We should learn from other people. We should learn from all the damage that we saw there and say, you know what? That looks like it hurts. Well, who are you to judge? How do you know that that hurt them? Well, they're screaming. You know, there's blood. You know, there's broken bones. Uh, I, I think you're just too judgmental. Well, maybe, but you know what? I'm not trying that. Well, I don't think you can really try till you've walked a mile in their shoes. You know, I, I think, you, no, I, I'm pretty sure I shouldn't do that. And yet that's what we see happening with sin all the time. It just nails one person after another, after another. But for some reason, people think I got to try it myself. I got to see for myself what this is all about and, and understand the reason you're going after that is because it's what your flesh desires, but you're being enticed. You're being deceived. It's not going to do what you think it's going to do. Revelation 2.14 says, uh, But I have few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. So notice, again, we see there in Revelation, getting people to sin, Something that they eat and fornication. These are some of the biggest things, but it was deception. He deceived them. Balaam, he couldn't, he couldn't curse the people of Israel. He did not have the ability. He did not have the power to curse them. So what did he do? He deceived them through their own lust into doing that which is forbidden so God would punish them. And understand, that's what Satan does. Satan, especially even if you're saved... He can't get your soul. He can't touch you. But if he can dangle sin in front of you, if he can dangle that lust of the flesh in front of you and get you to do that which is forbidden, then God's going to come after you. Because Satan can't touch you, but God can. And God will if you do that which is forbidden. So it's deception. It's very wicked. But we're talking about the devil here, folks. That's how he works. He will do something. That's that slimy. That's who he is. So we've got, we've got to find a way to find fulfillment in things that are eternal. In James 5, and verse 1, it says, Go to now, ye rich men, 
Weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted. Your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered. And the rust of them shall be witness against you. And shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasures together for the last days. So notice all these things. They're trying to go after all these things of the flesh. You know, the riches, the things of the world. And notice how he tells them, you just heap treasures for the last days. You're just, you're just racking up judgment. That's all you're doing. And you know, the Bible says in Matthew 6, 19, lay not up for yourself treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so listen, a treasure, it can really be anything. The question is, what do you consider treasure? What is considered precious to you? And what you have to do is you've got to learn to set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. You've got to learn to be driven and motivated by the eternal rather than the earthly. But understand, that takes faith. Folks, that's where faith comes in. Because I can't show you your treasures in heaven. But you know what you can do? You can believe that they're there because God promised they would be there if we would do what he says to do. And understand, everybody everybody has something that motivates them. Everybody has something that makes them get up every morning, that drives them. You know, and what is it for you? Some people, they get up every morning and they work hard and they are productive. You know why? Because they want treasures on this earth. And they do a lot of good things. I mean, they're good to their customers because it's, it's good for your business to be good to your customers. You know, there's a lot of things that are, are decent and noble that aren't necessarily sinful. But, but, uh, and understand, those are what drive a lot of people. And we look at these people and, you know, you know we would, we'd consider them decent people, good members of society. But at the end of the day, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. These people, their minds, their, while it's not a sin to have things on this earth, it is kind of a waste of time to devote your life to earthly things when you could be laying up treasures that are eternal. And so, but the devil, he doesn't, he doesn't dangle those things in front of you. And we can't physically see those things, so we've got to have faith. And that's what we have to live by. We have to live by faith. And so when we eat that forbidden fruit, we need to understand we're never satisfied but deceived. You will not be satisfied. Okay? And listen, I am I'm a human being too. Okay? I think when it comes to some of this stuff, you know, I, we talked about Jesus this morning. He is a great high priest because he was tempted in all points like as we are. Okay? I mean, I'm a man. I, you know, I've been a young man at one time. You know, I understand a lot of things that people uh, deal with and the temptations are there. But I can tell you, I just, I know from just, from the Bible, I know from just watching people in their life that these forbidden things that people go after, they never satisfy them. You know, I've never seen a person get out of church to go after the things of the flesh and then later just come back and say, man, that was great. You know what? I did what I wanted to do. I had some fun for a while and I got it out of my system and I'm ready to get back and serve God. You know, nobody's ever done that. I've never seen that in my life. 
But I've seen so many people that go after all those things. And then what do they do? They come back devastated. They come back warning people. Don't do this. Don't fall for this. And what was it that got them out of church? They were going after those desires of the flesh. But those things are deceptive. And so understand, when you see something in the Bible that God said is forbidden, and you just want it, and you want it bad, and it just it feels like, I mean, it consumes you, just understand, Satan is trying to deceive you. And if you, if you do, if you go for it, I mean, you're like that ox going to the slaughter. You're, you're, I mean, that, that's how you are, and you, you have to just trust God. The price is too great. And j- so back to James 1.14. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. I don't like being tricked. I'm still mad about 9-11 and how pro-war I was after that whole thing. I'm still mad that I got deceived in that whole thing. And that's why I'm so skeptical of all this stuff now. You don't see me waving a Ukrainian flag right now. I'm not waving a Russian flag either. I'm just looking at it and like, I don't trust any of y'all. Y'all lied to me too many times. And so as soon as I see them promoting something and pushing me to do something, I'm just like, uh, no, don't, don't tell me what to do. I, I, don't, I don't trust you people. And we've got to get that way with Satan. We've got to get that way with our flesh. One of these days I say, you know what? I'm tired of this flesh lying to me. I keep giving it what it wants. It keeps messing everything up for me. It keeps destroying everything. And when are we going to, tr- we need to start treating our flesh like we treat the news media. We deserve, our, and you let me, your flesh deserves it as much as the news media does. Listen, I mean, you, we should be so distrusting to the news media, we don't trust them when they're reading the Bible. And we need to be the same way with our flesh. Because let me tell you, you can misuse Scripture. You can do that. That's how bad your flesh is. Romans 7.11 says, For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me, and by it slew me. Wherefore the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and just, and good. You get everything the Bible says. Holy, just, and good. But understand that we can be deceived and it destroys. And it says uh, in Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you should be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We've just, we've, we've just got to recognize the fact that it's tricky. That, that's, that's, how we, that's, that's how we need to be. We all know you know, every time you see that picture with Lucy holding the football for Charlie Brown to kick, we all know Charlie Brown, don't try to kick the football. She is going to move it and you're going to fall down and look stupid. And we've just got to be the same way with those lusts of the flesh. This is going to deceive me. This is going to mess me everything up. That's just the way it always is. And, and, and this is what causes people to get frustrated and acting like you know God did you know something wrong, and, but what we got to understand is that again God is holy, man is sinful. Now the question is, okay, have we all established God is holy, man is sinful? So the question is, do you want to be like God and allow Him to be your Lord, or do you want to be your own Lord? And that's the reality. Well, I want salvation, you know. I want all the good things, but I, I do want to keep ruling over my life so I can give my flesh everything at once. I want to continue being the Lord. You know, and as much as it goes against our flesh and doesn't make sense in our mind, we got to understand that we will never make ourselves happy as lords of our own life. It, it's not going to happen. 
God can turn... You, you know what it looks like when God... God will let you become Lord of your life eventually. It's called being given over to a reprobate mind. Hey, you want to find out what happens when God finally says, Okay, I'm done. I'm not your Lord anymore. You can be your own Lord. And to give you over to doing that which is not convenient, just start going to some parades in June and you'll find out what it's like to be Lord of your own life. That's ultimately where you're going to go. Thank God most people are not there. You know, there's some restraint in their life. They, you know, and they, you know, they follow the Bible a little bit. You know, the more you follow it, the better. But some people, they have. They have completely removed that. No, no more guilt. No more shame. No more restraint. You are now Lord of your life. And folks, look at what they're doing. Look at what they are doing. So understand, that's where sin wants to get you. That is ultimately sin's end game. At the, he, he, they want you to be, you know, sin wants you to be like the sodomites. And so some people, they're going to reject this because they have no faith. And others, even though they don't understand a lot of these things, they're going to walk in faith and they're going to do what God says. Not just because, too, they have faith, but also the Bible says we have a great cloud of witnesses that are all testifying that faith is better. We have Hebrews 11 where it's given example after example of people who live by faith, who acted by faith. And, folks, it's better. It's a better way of life. It's more fulfilling. You know, your flesh is telling you, give, it, give, you know, give me what I want and you'll have fulfillment and you'll have happiness. We've got God, we've got the Bible, we've got a great cloud of witnesses, those who have lived by faith that are all saying, don't do that. I mean, thank God that He's put those people in our lives, not just the ones in the Bible, but people in your own life, you know, older people in the church, people who've lived longer than you, farther down the road, they're able to look there and stand there and tell you, don't do it. I get what you're feeling right now. I get what you're tempted to do right now. But just understand, it's not going to give you what you want. It's just going to deceive you. And we, we, we just got to do is we just got to surrender. We've got to get rid of our pride. We've got to humble ourselves. It's like, you know, I don't get it. But all right, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to my parents. You know, that's hard to say for young people. It's hard to say when you're a teenager, when you're a young adult. Oh, I'm going to listen to my parents. You know, that's called the pride of life. Okay, the pride of life. That's one of the things Satan uses. That's one of the things working against all of us. But these are, the th- these are things that we've got to learn to listen to. And so we've got to understand that when we are deceived, and we're all deceived at some point, but when we are deceived, it is always going to be in our instinct, because this goes all the way back to Adam, to just cover up what's been done. What did Adam and Eve do? The Bible says when the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together to make themselves aprons. You know what that is? That's called, that's called deceiving yourself right there. Dece- and remember, deception is what got you in trouble in the first place. Fig, sewing up fig leaves. That's what a lot of people are doing when it comes to religion. Well, I'm a sinner, and they realize they're a sinner, but instead of trusting in Christ, what do they do? They sew fig leaves together. Well, I'll be really religious. I'll start being better. You know, I, I can repent of all my sins, and then I'll, I'll do better. That's what they think, but, but again, remember... James 
Every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And folks, he's talking to save people here. Because look what he says next. Do not err, my beloved brethren. This isn't just something that happens to lost people. He's telling, he's warning them about what sin does. And he's saying, do not err, my beloved brethren. It, it's a, it is a mistake. It is an error. But understand these errors are ones we don't have to make. And we've got to always remember repentance and confession is the solution. And, and I talked about this a little bit this morning, but never ever mistake God's long suffering and opportunity of repentance that he gives us as evidence that you got away with something. Well, I did this, but it was a long time ago and nothing happened. No. God's given you a space of repentance. That's what's going on right now. In Revelation 2.20, uh, we looked at it already, but look at it again. Uh, God said in verse 21, And I gave her space to repent of her fornication. And she repented not. What does that mean? It means when this woman seduced them into committing fornication and meeting, eating meat sacrificed to idols, God didn't do anything right away. They went, and I imagine there were probably some people when they did that the first time, it probably smote their heart. They probably felt guilty. But then they're like, you know what? Nothing happened. Hey, I just got a raise at work. You know, I just had you know, this good thing happen to me. You know, I, I just had this blessing come away. God must not care what's going on. No, folks, He cares. He cares very much. The Bible says He gave them space to repent of their fornication, and they repented not. And so guess what? Behold, I will cast her into a bed... And then that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So, uh, folks, this is what this is what kills people. God's long, God does not just immediately come along and bring down the hammer on you, because uh, understand, you think well it'd be better it'd be better if he did it that way. No, it wouldn't, because the judgment for a lot of the sins that we commit are really bad. What we we don't want that. What we need is forgiveness. But if we don't repent, then he's not going to forgive. So we've got to, we've got to make sure we do this quickly, especially when it is something that's really bad. But you got to, but again, the devil's just going to deceive you. He's going to tell you, obviously, no big deal. Nothing's happening. You're still being blessed. A lot of times, too, you know, even in churches that are just going bad on doctrine and compromising and changing. They'll, man, our offerings are going up. Our attendance is going up. Look at all these blessings. We must be doing the right thing. No, you're not. No, you're not. Maybe God's just giving you space to repent. And, and you better repent. It's all going to fall apart eventually. And Satan, we, we got, Satan is a great deceiver. Sin is always what he uses to deceive. His goal is destruction. Now, his ultimate goal is eternal destruction. If he fails there, and you get saved, you know, he still isn't done because he does want to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy your marriage, your family. He wants to destroy your life. He wants you in the grave as early as possible. And what he will always use to get you there early is your lust. And you need to figure out where you struggle and you need to get close to the Lord and ask him to help you with these things. You've got to understand you can never put your trust in the flesh. And you've got to stop letting it deceive you. We just can't keep making these mistakes. We may have 
So we, we may have people right now wearing fig leaves. Some of y'all, you might have fig leaves that you're wearing right now trying to cover up sin that's in your life. And you think you're getting away with it. You know, you, you know your fig leaves, maybe it fooled us. You know, you're fooling us with your fig leaves, but you've got to understand God's not fooled by these things. And you know what he's doing right now, probably, is he's giving you space to repent. And I highly recommend you repent. I highly recommend that you get it right, right now. Because God's not okay with your fig leaves. You need his, his covering. God ended up making coverings for Adam and Eve. Because theirs weren't appropriate. And understand, you're not going to get that without confession. And so you must confess. You must forsake these things. They're deceptive. And they, they are, they're so destructive. And we've got to be reminded of this. You've got, we've got to take these things serious. And it is amazing how we can lie to yourself. Some of you, what you're thinking with some of the things, whatever you're messing with, is no big deal. It's just a little thing. That's a, that's a lie right there. That, that's, that's the devil deceiving you right there. Oh, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to do anything. I got away with it. There's so many things. There's so many excuses. These are all lies and they will nail you every single time. And that's why James stressed this so, so much. And he just said, and think about those words, do not err, my beloved brethren. I guarantee you, probably everyone here, there's, there's probably something that you're tempted with right now. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Don't be deceived. It is the cost. It is not. It's not worth it. And have you ever went to a store somewhere and you went to buy something and the price rang up and it was a lot higher than you thought? And sometimes you you don't want to like uh, no you, you know you, I don't know, you're embarrassed to tell them no I don't want it anymore. You know what? Just tell them. I did that the other day. I went to get a, just a little sandwich at a gas station or something. They wanted like $6 for it. And I, and, and I was pretty sure it had a different price on the thing. I was like, you sure that's $6? They're like, yeah, that's what it is. I was like, put it back. I don't want it. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I'm not paying that much for that little sandwich. You know, and don't be ashamed of that. It's not worth it. And Satan, just understand what he is and understand Satan's not your own enemy. Your flesh is your enemy too. And you need to get, win that battle. So let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message will be a help and a warning to everyone. Lord, sin is... Uh, Lord, we're always going to have to deal with it, but I pray that uh, this will just be a renewing of the mind for people of, of what it is. Help us not to fall for these things so easily, Lord. And uh, help us to really just take, take your word serious. And help us just to have faith. That's what it really comes down to. Just having faith, believing your word. And I pray you'll... Uh, just give us the strength to uh, do the right thing and, and uh, come to you for help whenever we're uh, faced with these temptations. In your name we pray. Amen.